0: back like we never left championship week it's double move sports let's go y'all know who it is it's Steph Albiero it's Alex Lott two fantasy studs here in this room unfortunately neither of us were able to make it to these championships we got to come out and just say it guys we didn't make it this year for a number of different reasons injuries competitive leagues Questionable starts to decisions Devontae Adams yeah. bustering out in week 15 Having his worst game of the season Outside of the one where he got injured Things like that happen That's part of fantasy But hopefully if you're watching this right now That means you're in the championship yes. We got the hot facts We got the data We got the analysis We're going to touch on all the new trending and fun topics in this league And some really important starts to decisions For a lot of people on these
1: rosters But Alex, how you doing? You getting into it? I'm ready. It's good to be back in person. Just a month after the last time this is, you know, running it back here, getting this in-person pod for all these people out there in these titles. And like you said, no championships on the docket for us this year, which I know people are probably shocked, but (laughs) we must say we really pulled back our leagues this year. I know I was in three leagues. I know you pulled back some leagues as well, and... For me, like I made the playoffs in every league, made the semifinals in a couple places, and things just didn't work out last week. And it sucks to not have any you know, championships going on this week, but I know we're ready to bring these hot takes. We've been getting into the data, getting into the numbers, definitely are still tuned in. We're going to be playing some FanDuel and DraftKings lineups this week as well. So I'm hyped to get into this slate. It looks like we have a Christmas Day game, Vikings at the Saints. That's going to be fun. And Steph, I have to say, Christmas is on Friday this year. That game is on a Friday, which means this football season we had games on Sunday, Monday, (laughs) Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So, the clean sweep. (laughs) Shout out to the
0: NFL for somehow pulling that off. Thanks, Skadel. Yeah. Shout out to COVID for getting that Wednesday game that one time. Hopefully never again because that was like Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. So, we got the Christmas game. We got a full Saturday slate with a 1 p.m., 4.30, and an 8.15 game. So, just like a Sunday, you're going to have... Seven to twelve hours of football going yes. on. Hopefully, you're able to get some family time in in between games, and then we got the Sunday slate. Eleven games on a really fun one. There's some loaded matchups, and then a Monday Night Football victory lap for the Bills against the Patriots. And there's some pretty exciting matchups here for you know playoff considerations, Super Bowl contentions. We got the Rams going against the Seahawks. You know, mm-hmm. competing for that division. Rams have nine wins. Seahawks have 10. The Colts and the Steelers play. That's a big deal. Huge for my Colts. Huge for your Colts. and Huge the- for your Browns, too. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of implications for the AFC North and really the entirety of the AFC and wildcard spots. Then we have the Titans and the Packers with the highest over-under on the week at 56.5. Let's jump into some of these topics here. We usually start off with... You know, what's new in the quarterback world? I think enough people have talked about Jalen Hurts that we don't have to talk about him anymore. Start him. Yeah, we're all in on Jalen Hurts. He's looking like a cheat code at the QB position, being able to put up tremendous numbers on the ground and through the air. Looked really good last week. He's going to be a problem. And uh, sorry, Carson Wentz. I don't know if you're going to get that start. I don't know if he's going to go anywhere else or, or what's going to go down, but something to keep an eye on. But the new QB, the new hotness this week is Marcus Mariota, seemingly back from the grave. He's alive, and he looked great. He looked spry. He He's certainly well-rested after not playing since you know midway through the season in, in 2019. But for a lot of people who have Raiders on their teams, like Darren Waller, like Josh Jacobs, even some guys who are streaming and flexing, Nelson Aguilar, and all these Raiders... What is Marcus
1: Mariota? we will even talk about Mariota too. Is he a guy that you can plug in, and what is his impact on the Las Vegas Raiders? Well, from what we saw last week, this isn't going to be a drastic change. This isn't like a you know a Matt Stafford to potentially what Chase Daniel as their backup. This isn't that kind of situation where you're immediately fading everyone on their team. I think Marcus Mariota can clearly get it done for the Raiders, like he did last week. Let's see. Let's see the Raiders you're probably starting are. Darren Waller, and Josh Jacobs. Everyone else is kind of in that streamer category. I know Renfro is banged up, but Aguilar, even Henry Ruggs when he's healthy. So those guys don't change to me. Those guys are still streamers. You know, you're probably not expecting a ton, but I would knock them down a peg this week because, one, they're playing the Miami Dolphins, who have had a pretty stingy defense all season. Two, Marcus Mariota. He has that rushing ability as well, typically with quarterbacks, with that rushing ability Um, We do see them rely on their legs a little bit more, which could take some of that passing volume down, just a hair from what they had with Derek Carr. I expect them to rely on Josh Jacobs a little bit more as well, maybe do some read option, RPO-type stuff with Mariota. So I think the offense as a whole – is going to be fine. I think Darren Waller is still a must-start. I think Josh Jacobs might actually be a beneficiary. They might rely on the ground game. I think they moved the ball really well with Mariota last week. I'm not going to go out on a limb here and say, oh, he's suddenly better for the offense than Derek Carr. He obviously played great, but let's wait and see. Um, But, yeah, I think for the most part, outside of Waller and Jacobs, I'm trying to fade the other guys for now. Mariota himself is an interesting low-end Maybe low-end QB1, high-end QB2 with some risk. If he's able to use his legs like he did last week, nine carries for 88 yards and a touchdown, he gives you a super solid floor at the quarterback position. But with a one-game sample size since, like you said, last season, I'm not necessarily trusting that that's going to be his tendency here against the Dolphins. So start Mariota at your own risk. you got to be in a pretty deep league or a 2QB league to probably be looking at that option.
0: Yeah, I think he's – you know, if we're having this conversation maybe week 10 – I think he becomes a much more interesting guy to stash on the back of rosters. But at this time, it's it's win or go home. If you're in the championship, I doubt (laughs) you're scraping that bottom level of the barrel at your QB spot. But honestly, I think you can do a lot worse than Marcus Mariota. Just for a QB streamer, think of like Trubisky, right? He's in that same tier where he's going to pop and give you good games. I mean, give you 26.8 points. No one in the world started him last week because he came in two plays into the game. But... You know He's relatively efficient through the air, not from a completion percentage standpoint, but from a yardage standpoint. Was able to have that one touchdown through the air, did end up throwing a pick. But that rushing volume, I mean, putting him over you know, almost 100 yards on the ground, 9.8 yards per carry, that's just not going to stick around. I think he's going to have less rushing yards this week, which does make him a little bit more of a fade. Don't expect 26
1: points again. I got uh, a good one for you, Steph. Yeah. Um, ben Roethlisberger or Marcus Mariota in your championship. Ben Roethlisberger struggling as of late. Hasn't broken 20 points since week 10. Last week only had seven. You're going Mariota against the Dolphins instead of Big Ben against a tough I'm goal defense. I'm going
0: Super Mariota. Wow. But just, just with the rushing ability. Give me any QB he can run. Give me Trubisky. We had that talk last week. Big Ben or Mitch Trubisky. Right. I was saying I would going to go Trubisky there just for the rushing yep. because that's not what Big Ben's going to give you at all. You're relying on the air. And the guys have thrown. More than six yards, it seems like, over the last four
1: weeks. And it's worth mentioning as well, Derek Carr has been practicing. It's been limited. And I think when we first heard about the injury, it seemed like it was something that was going to knock him out, definitely for at least one game probably through the rest of the regular season. So keep an eye out. Obviously, if Derek Carr ends up getting the start this week, then you're not starting Marcus Mariota. But, you know, it looks like Derek Carr is going to miss. So take it with a grain of salt. But keep an eye on that practice report as well. Last thing we'll say here, Darren Waller. Beast. Still
0: just a locked and loaded stud. He's the wide receiver one essentially for the Raiders. 12 targets, caught nine of them for 150 yards and a touchdown, a 30-point fantasy week with Mariota at the helm. Got to love that is, Waller. Is Darren
1: Waller in Kelsey Kittle territory yet? I know it's like the tier of the top three. I think he separated himself from Mark Andrews as more of a clear top three, but I feel like Kelsey is almost in a tier of his own, and then he dropped down to Kittle and Waller after what we've seen this season.
0: Yeah, I think he's he's the clear number 3 at this point. Uh, I yeah. think that's at least, you know, where he is now. I don't put him in the, the Kelsey Kittle category yet, but I mean he's certainly making a case for that this year. I think we're going to see him creep up into the the, you know, third fourth round type ADP where we saw guys like Mark Andrews at this year around draft time. Going into next season, I think Darren Waller could return value on that. We'll see. Like it's it's funny looking back on it now. We a lot of people faded Darren Waller. Um, I was actually more of like, hey, take Darren Waller in the sixth round, but because of what they drafted, oh, Henry seniors, Ruggs, yeah. which they don't, they haven't used him properly at all. I don't. It seems like a waste of a draft pick now. And then Brian Edwards, so far hasn't really done anything. So we were fading Darren Waller. A lot of people were fading Darren Waller just because they drafted two new young guns, like just goes back to the guys who are proven studs in the league are proven studs for a reason you don't fade those guys no matter the draft pick one or
1: situation. one last thing on waller though we have to remember kelsey has had an incredibly historic season like he's averaging over 20 fantasy points per game this year so we're like putting him clearly in a tier of his own he had been the titan one four years in a row this is going to make number five last season as the titan one. travis kelsey on the season averaged 15.9 fantasy points per game this season darren waller is averaging 16.8 fantasy points per game so if darren waller was putting up this kind of season last year he would have clearly been the tight end one so don't i mean kelsey's season has been historic but if we look at what the tight end position normally does darren waller's year he's putting up this year is trumping the things travis kelsey has done in the past so both of them have elevated themselves in 2020 and it's making the tight end position so much more of an advantage. I think Kelsey is moving up into, like, if you could redraft this season today, he'd definitely be a first-round pick.
0: Yeah, back of the first round. I think that makes a lot of sense. Plus, you over to a guy that we needed to – Kind of toot his horn a little bit, take some victory laps on Stefan Diggs, currently sitting at the the wide receiver three. It's crazy. Having an incredible season, Alex, I you know when the move was initially made, you were like, oh, lock Stephon Diggs as a wide receiver one, and as we got closer to drafts, kind of cooled down a little bit. Wish you would have stuck to that take a little I bit I would have probably
1: been in the championship in our league if I would have been <laughs> able to scoop him up as my wide receiver two or three there, but... Yeah, Diggs has been incredible.
0: Diggs is a, is a stud. And, you know, we from a process standpoint, we can't beat ourselves up too much for not having him as like a top 12 option. I think you and I had him at the mid to low wide receiver two range mm-hmm. in our drafts uh, draft rankings right uh, in August. But Stefan Diggs is just, what he's doing this year is incredible. I don't, I don't think he's getting talked about enough. He's one of the best talents. We've all known that. For a long time but now being able to step in be the alpha wide receiver one being able to make plays all over the field we already know his his abilities as a deep threat receiver and was really put into that pure deep threat role when he was in minnesota but now we're seeing he's able to get separation and medium and and short lengths of the field and being really impressive on contested catches and guy's been super consistent all year not only has the snapshare been there playing pretty much every time that the bills are going to pass uh, which is a lot. They, they shifted their offense a ton, and credit to Sean McDermott for that. They're now very much a pass-heavy team, whereas they used to be a run-heavy team. We used to think of the Bills as this ground-and-pound, thunder-and-lightning team. We thought, oh, they drafted Zach Moss. That's what they're going to continue to be this season. And who could have you know imagined that Josh Allen was going to have the incredible you know rejuvenation that he had, totally revamped his throwing motion, and it's been a complete game-changer for him. But Stephon Diggs hasn't had a game with single-digit fantasy points all season it's crazy you don't even see that from guys like Devonte adams who'll give you you know one or two stinkers over the course of the year guys like dk metcalf and tyler lockett last week giving you single-digit outings Stephon diggs isn't doing that and i think going into next year he's going to be pretty close to you know one of the first wide receivers off oh, the board yeah. probably in the top five josh
1: allen is still getting better
0: <laughs> that's the crazy thing that's the crazy thing and so with digs too it's not like he's getting all this production you know through touchdowns or through you know big plays it's just consistency he's getting open he's making receptions and he's able to get you know nine to 12 yards per reception and so when you have a guy like that who's just doing it week in week out you got to love that for fantasy he's a guy that you just set it and forget it you don't even have to question him in your lineup and a lot of people have him as their flex or wide That's receiver two this year
1: I mean, Stefan Diggs, it's funny because I I remember making that take about him being a top-12 wide receiver super early on, like right after the move happened. And the whole process was he had 94 targets last year, had over 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. If he can bump, you know, 94 targets up to – 130 targets even if they're you know slightly less accurate with josh allen that's going to make him a viable threat to be wide receiver one not only has he exceeded 130 targets he's at 147 targets with two games to go he's going to end up you know 160 170 targets he's leading the nfl right now in receptions which is insane but you know the the quote-unquote less accurate targets with josh allen ended up being a a myth in it in and of itself (laughs) because josh allen's accuracy has improved tremendously and I think some of that's because of having an alpha wide receiver one like Stephon Diggs along with his own development so Diggs has exceeded all expectations if we're talking dynasty I think he's a top five wow. dynasty wide receiver right now because he's tied to a young ascending quarterback he's young himself and he's having the best season of his career here in year six still has you know two or three years of really elite you know in his prime production ahead of him so Stephon Diggs has exceeded all expectations and this Bills team has as well when John Brown has been healthy. He's been a viable fantasy asset. Cole Beasley. How about Beasles (laughs) being like a wide receiver too so far this season? Absolutely incredible. Not just that typical high baseline flex play. Cole Beasley has been impressive as well. So this Buffalo Bills team, it's all coming together. When they drafted Josh Allen, they got a lot of heat. You know, it's just these classic quarterbacks that can throw the ball over the moon. And that's why, like, the Bears drafted Nitz Trubisky for the same reasons, and it didn't quite pan out for them. So I'm interested to see heading into a draft class that's stacked with quarterback talent How many teams reach on these big bodied, strong armed quarterbacks, hoping for the result that the Bills got out of Josh Allen? But, you know, it's just, it's hard to get there. We've seen time and time again that it normally doesn't work out this way.
0: For a lot of these QBs that are more of developmental prospects, like Josh Allen, Mike Trubisky, even I would say like Lamar Jackson is one of those two. Now he came in with a totally different skill set, but. When the, when the team or the organization is willing to go all in and yeah. say, this is our guy, we're going to build the whole offense around this guy and put everything into his development, I think it actually go a long way. And kudos to the Bills for doing that. Not only you know, did they bring in the weapons, they change their entire scheme. They changed the way that they call plays. Now, I don't know if we can attribute that to analytics or it becoming more of a pass-heavy league, realizing, hey, it makes more sense to throw on first and second down than maybe it does to run when the old school way was, oh, let's run on first and second down and set up play action. You know, kind of changing a little bit. We see that with other teams like the Seahawks, who are letting Russ cook a ton this year. In Mahomes, like those he's throwing 40 yard bombs on first and ten. Just want to mention some of the the metrics that Stephon Diggs has had in 2020. He is number one in targets. Pretty good. He's number two (laughs) in target rate. He's run the sixth most routes this season, number four on the year in air yards. And here's the thing 56 overall in average target distance. So going back to it, this guy is not a pure deep threat anymore. This guy is a locked and loaded stud. He just needed to get out of Minnesota, get away from Adam Thielen, and into an offense that was going to pass more to unlock his ability. We talked about his number one on the year in receptions, number two in terms of receiving yards. And then going back to you know how he's been used this year, he's 17 on the season in yards after the catch. And that, that's impressive. But I say all that to say, look, he's not only is is he a good player. The volume is there, and that's just taking him to levels where you get a great player, give him some volume, good things are going to happen. It's not like he's just having these breakaway plays or these big touchdown receptions to give him value. Think of a guy like DK Metcalf where, you look at the game last week against Washington, didn't have the big play, didn't have the touchdown. Stephon Diggs, he's in a totally different tier. I put him like in the DeAndre Hopkins type category at this point.
1: He has arrived. Steph, let's go ahead and move on to to some running back situations here. This is more of a start-sit type of question for Championship Week, one that a lot of people are going to be asking because this guy is either someone you just stashed or someone who is possibly on your waiver wire right now. It's Le'Veon Bell. C.H., we saw him go down last week. It was brutal. With a brutal injury. Luckily, it looks like it's not as bad as it seemed. At first, I'm thinking, okay, if he had some serious damage in his knee or in his ankle, he could be out for the start of next season Luckily, it looks like it's just, what, a a hip and an ankle injury? Yeah, they're saying
0: he could come back as soon as the playoffs. That's pretty minor. He could be
1: back for the playoffs. But for fantasy football, we're asking ourselves, Le'Veon Bell, is he a viable option to fire up in the championship week? Last season, or last week, excuse me, 15 carries for 62 yards and a touchdown. Also added a reception for 14 yards. 14.6 fantasy points in that game. Is that something we can expect from Le'Veon Bell this week against the Atlanta Falcons in this high-powered Chiefs offense, any chance you would roll up Lev Bell in your fantasy football championship matchup?
0: I think I'd be willing to flex him.
1: No way. And it's so (laughs) gross to say... The thing is, he's not going to be like a
0: typical handcuff that you think of like Tony Pollard last week who stepped into a full-time starting role and went absolutely bananas over 30 fantasy points. Right. That's not going to happen with Le'Veon Bell. Clyde Edwards-Alaire wasn't doing that even when he had the backfield auto himself. That's just not what the Chiefs' RB1 is going to do. But what Lev Bell is going to give you Is exactly, you know, all the reasons why we like CEH. High upside for his utilization on the offense. The matchup against Atlanta is the second highest over-under on the week this week. We just saw what Leonard Fournette, we were talking about this before we recorded, right? Situation is so important for running backs. More than wide receivers, more than any other position, in my opinion, is, you know, running backs are more situationally dependent And you look at guys like, yeah, Leonard Fournette last week is a perfect example of this. Even looking back further, James Conner last year, when Big Ben was th- or two years ago when Big Ben was throwing the ball a ton. It's right. like he's not a, a prolific receiver, but he was in a great situation that led to all of that. I think that's where Left Bell goes now. So I ha- have him as an RB three. Not a guy that I definitely like, you know, want to take him and and you know, say he's a smash play, start him over everybody that you've been starting that got you to the championship. But, you know, if you had Clyde Edwards Alaire and you need a guy who can just slot back in for the you know double digit fourteen to eighteen fantasy points, I think you do- you're not gonna have any other options at this yeah. point. But Lev Bell, I think, is one of those options. I
1: look at it like this. You know, Lev Bell's gonna get 10 to 15 touches in the best offense in the NFL. It, with, with as much touchdown upside as anyone. So, you know, you look at last week, only 32% of snaps, but something you gotta remember CEH went down late in that game. CEH played 45% of snaps in the game, he went down. So I'd expect 50 to 60. Percent of snaps minimum for Lev Bell this week against Atlanta. And even in a game where CEH was active for most of the game, I mean, 15 carries for Lev Bell. I expect them to, you know, steamroll Atlanta, and they're probably going to be leading in that game. That could be some carries for Lev Bell trying to milk out that clock. Some receiver work as well. We know Le'Veon Bell's skill set historically in his career, whether or not he's washed now or not. (laughs) He has the ability to catch the ball, get out of the backfield a little bit. So he could give you a baseline. I'm with you. I think if you need to start Lev Bell... He has one last chance to make reparations for all the pain he has caused this season <laughs> if you've held on to him and give you a absolutely blowout performance in your championship. Now, I will say I'm not expecting an RB1 type of performance, a top 12 week. I'm expecting, like you said, solid floor numbers, you know, 10 to 15 points, I think, is in his range of outcomes this week. Let's do some comparisons, see where that value is. Would you take Kenyon Drake against San Francisco or Lev Bell against Atlanta? Oh, that's tough. Um, Drake... Drake got a little banged up last week He was fine, he played through it But I think I'd still go Kenyon Drake um, Kenyon Drake against San Francisco He's you know, He didn't score the touchdown last week But previous to that he'd been on a tear I think he still has a better chance to fall in the end zone
0: Here's a, here's a tougher one Giovanni Bernard, who just had a great game Against the Steelers of all matchups Probably no one in the world started him If you did, congratulations You probably <laughs> got him to the championship Because he had a great week But Gio Bernard, he has the Houston Texans. They're horrible against the run. Are you going to go Gio Bernard or Le'Veon Bell against Atlanta? These guys are about even to me. I lean Lev Bell, but where are you going?
1: I'm going with Lev Bell. Fire it up.
0: All right, last one here. Melvin Gordon against Revenge Game against the Chargers. This one's easy.
1: Melvin Gordon's getting receiving work. He's getting goal line work. Um, he had a great game last week. Only, what, 11 carries last week? Let me spot check that. But the carries were low. Did get into the end zone twice, which definitely, you know, increased increases. Yeah, 11 carries, only 54% of snaps. We saw some targets in that game as well. Against the Chargers, I do expect um, some volume in that game, especially in the passing game, and they're going to throw it to Gordon over Lindsey. So I think Gordon gives you a little bit higher of a floor with more upside, too. Yeah, I'm with you. Melvin Gordon is –
0: has been, you know, we, we, he's like in our start sits every single week because he's just a guy who's always in the bubble. You never know when to start him, but you got to take his usage over Le'Veon Bell. And we just haven't seen it. And look, Melvin Gordon doesn't have to compete with Mahomes throwing the ball 50 times a game if they just want to go bananas on the Chiefs side of the ball. We could see that happen. Andy Reid could change the way they're calling plays and just abandon exactly. the run completely with CEH out of the picture. And now it's only left Bell to carry that whole workload. But Alex, let's get into. Our RB start sits for week 16, championship week. Let's get these dubs, Let's ladies and gentlemen. Big. We got, uh, what is it, five names here at the running back position. If you have more questions, hit us up in the comments down below. As always, if you like, we do here, a like and a sub. Greatly appreciated. But We're going to start with some chalky names and get into the more deeper names as we go through this. Let's start here with the first one. A guy who disappointed a lot of people last week, Mike Davis. Uh, For the Carolina Panthers, Christian McCaffrey, last time I checked, has been ruled out for this game. Maybe he's doubtful. He's doubtful, Uh, yeah. So he's doubtful, hasn't officially been ruled out yet. But assuming McCaffrey is out and Mike Davis is in against the Washington football team, who's just been playing lights out on defense, are you willing to roll Mike Davis back out there? And if so, are you tempering expectations against a heavy front?
1: I'm not tempering expectations, and I am rolling him out there. I mean, Washington's a great defense, and Mike Davis has – Definitely been hit or miss as of late, but I think people's expectations for Mike Davis are appropriate right now. He came out right when he took over for CMC, three straight weeks of above 20 fantasy points. And since then, I mean, since week six through now, after that first tear he went on, when he finally came back to earth, he's the RB19, averaging close to 12 fantasy points per game. So over the last 10 weeks, you've gotten the Mike Davis that you're going to get here in, in championship week, which is some volume you know he's going to be on the field probably 50 to 75 percent of snaps touchdown upside could get some receiving game work as well um but he, he's kind of hit or miss in a tough matchup i'd probably bet on uh you know a lower efficiency game but i think in the game script in a game where the panthers could be competitive throughout he should see plenty of carries on the ground kind of got game scripted out last week when they were trailing the packers so i i have faith in mike davis i think he could definitely get into the end zone this week as well so i'm willing to start him as an rb two.
0: Yeah, I have him as a mid-range RB2, think you know RB15 to RB19 type of range. So I'm with you on Mike Davis. Nothing more to say about him. <laughs> Next up on the list, a guy we talked about when we were comparing him to Le'Veon Bell. We had him in about the same range as low in RB2s. But Giovanni Bernard, is he a guy that you are excited to start this week after a 22.7 point
1: outing against the Pittsburgh Steelers? This sucks, man. This sucks because... I mean, since the buy, Gio hasn't broken 10 fantasy points one time. And he's coming off of, you know, before this past week, a three-point game, a four-point game, a six-point game. Like, I'm sure no one started him against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then he comes out and randomly has a great game when no one is going to play him. And now everyone's going to play him again, and I wouldn't be surprised if he just went back to what we saw before. I mean, this Bengals team isn't good. They played up to their competition in prime time, out of their minds against the Steelers. The Steelers are struggling right now. In a game here against Houston, which is kind of a cupcake matchup, I'm still not really feeling too good about Giovanni Bernard. I mean, he's really struggled on the ground. Hasn't been seeing that much volume either. Samaj Pirine is getting involved amongst others. I think the Bengals are kind of in pack it in um, mode right now. I think if they win one more game, they're actually going to start giving up some, some draft position capital. Not that they're going to you know intentionally try to lose, but wouldn't be surprised if they start rotating in some younger names as well. So even though he had a great game against Pittsburgh, I'm not trusting it. I'm keeping him on my bench this week.
0: Yeah, I would too. He got 25 carries last week, and that heavily inflated. So like His usage was insane. He's not an efficient guy, never really has been. 3.3 yards per carry on 25 carries, but those 25 carries alone is what you love. Obviously he got into the end zone twice, once on the ground, once through the air. He's really not even getting that much passing work as of late, hasn't had more than you know four receptions, which yes, you'll take that, but four receptions with not even getting like double digit touches a lot of the time, just gotta look the other way. It was an outlier pop week, but if I'm desperate, if I have to plug him in, if I had a Clyde Edwards-Alaire that I was plugging in my RB2, and I gotta go to G Bernard, so be it, but it doesn't feel great. I'd have him in that um, you know 27 kind of range if we're talking about rankings on the week all right let's stay in that same matchup Cincinnati against Houston let's talk about the other side of the ball David Johnson coming off a monster week I don't think anybody had the balls to start him in their fantasy playoffs week 15 but had 24.3 fantasy points eight carries for 27 yards almost did nothing on the ground but then had 11 targets cut all 11 for 106 yards uh, through the air. I mean, just gave you all that production through the air. No Will Fuller. Brandon Cooks was back, which I would kind of blew my mind to see. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't rely completely on Brandon Cooks. It's actually David Johnson carrying the load. Do you think they're going to continue to rely on him against
1: Cincinnati? I'm, I mean, I'm definitely one starting David Johnson this week after what we saw last week. Should have more efficiency and volume on the ground and what should be a good game script against the Bengals even if he's not used as much in the passing game. And we said it before last week. I mean, he had been fairly consistent on the ground. I mean, before he went out with the injury earlier in the season, you look at the full games, he's played 10 points, 16, 13, 12, 11, 12, 19. Like, he's giving you really solid floors. And we finally saw some of that upside in the receiving game last week. In a good matchup. I think David Johnson is a safe RB2. And who knows, maybe we just saw Deshaun Watson unlock something, which is called throwing to the running back. We see... All these quarterbacks: Philip Rivers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater. Everyone, they just check down to the running back and take their easy yards. We've seen Justin Herbert start to do it a lot as well. Who knows? Maybe I'm not saying it because this is one game out of Deshaun Watson's entire career, but maybe he finally realized, oh, if I throw it to the running back, it's an easy completion <laughs> for easy yards, and usually, you know, gets gets my running back in open space with a chance at a first down. So. Let's let's wait and see. Let's see if David Johnson can continue to be used in that role. Duke Johnson didn't miss last week. I haven't seen any updates on Duke Johnson, whether he's practicing or not. Um, so keep an eye out on that uh, as well and, and temporary expectations. I think whether Duke Johnson plays or not, David Johnson is a strong start. But obviously, if Duke Johnson were to miss, I think David Johnson moves up into that top 15 range. The lack of a shootout game script in this one does kind of scare me. So I would
0: move David Johnson from maybe an RB16, more like a RB19, RB20 type name, but certainly a serviceable RB2. If you're at the championships and you have him on your roster, we're worried about plugging him back in. I think you can go right back to David Johnson in week 16. Next guy here, Ty Johnson. No. New York Jets running back. We'll make this interesting. I know you're gonna fade him. And and this is actually why I'm you know, we I had him on the show sheet. Is don't get cute and start Ty Johnson. I know he had a great week. He had a breakaway reception. He looks pretty smooth in the passing game when he's out there for the Jets, but we know what this team is. It was an outlier game against the Rams. I think the Rams kind of just fell asleep. Assume mm-hmm. this is pretty much a bye-week for him and ended up, you know, competing that way too. But 17.5 fantasy points for Ty Johnson and only 34% of snaps. You know, maybe if he's looking at a 60% Three snap carries. Here, yeah. If he's looking at that like yeah, when the, the game where uh, Frank Gore went out, right, 63% of snaps. If he got that last game, I think that becomes a little bit more interesting as, hey, here's a guy who's going to be on a team and a lot of losing game scripts, getting a lot of passing work. That's what he was able to give you this week. But, no, don't get cute. Don't start him. He's not even a guy you want to look at on nope. your roster, even if you're desperate. You can find other, other yeah, solutions.
1: I don't even know if I can add anything to that. Just fade Ty Johnson. No, I'm starting him. Th- I mean, three carries. Just isn't going to get it done. And, you know, six receptions on six targets is great, but – I mean, he hasn't been hyper-involved in the receiving game consistently all season, so I'm not banking on that week in and week out.
0: All right, last one here for these running backs. Devin Singletary, who's slowly kind of built his way back up. He had that brutal stretch in the midpoint of the season, you know, weeks 5 through 10, where he was not even giving you double-digit fantasy points on a weekly basis, was a guy that we were telling you to bench in almost every format. Was splitting time with Zach Moss. We know he's not gonna get the touchdown. Ended up actually getting one last week. Breakaway run late. 53% of snaps, so still in that 50-50 split with Zach Moss. Only eight carries, but at 68 yards. You know, the breakaway run helps. Three receptions for 16 yards. Singletary is definitely benefiting from how good the Bills' offense is. But in this matchup against New England, I don't expect it to be a high-flying game. The Bills already have a lock on that AFC East. The Patriots are out of contention. Nothing to play for. Jarrett Stidham is probably going to play this game. I think Cam Newton might be done as a Patriot. But for Devin Singletary, is he a guy you're willing to plug in if you need to?
1: No, because we haven't seen him have any kind of ceiling all season long, and we've seen an incredibly low floor, especially we talked about that touchdown upside. He's not the goal linebacker. And I know this game is weird because if you actually watch this game, He actually had a rushing touchdown on like a Statue of Liberty-esque play from Josh Allen that got called back due to a holding penalty, which was interesting. But it was from a little bit further out. I think it was outside of the 5-yard line, closer to a 10- to 15-yard run. Got called back, and then he had the 53-yard touchdown run late. If you take away that 53-yard run, I mean, it's 7 carries for 15 yards with a couple of receptions. You just can't have that. And that's in a game where the Bills absolutely curb-stomped the Broncos. So I think Zach Moss and Devin Singletary are fades for me. I'm actually... Oh, I, I think the pendulum has swung. I think it's probably 50-50. I, I actually can't decide who I would start between Moss and Singletary. I think I might still lean Singletary just because as of late, he's gotten a little bit more usage, a little bit more usage in the passing game as well. You know, The snap started to swing towards Moss ever since he had that crucial fumble a couple weeks ago. It's, it's gone back the other way. So if I was deciding between those two, I'd go Singletary. But if it's him versus some of these guys in the field, like the David Johnsons of the world or the Le'Veon Bells, uh, or Mike Davis, I think I'd go the other way.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not starting Singletary anywhere, ever. He's uh, probably not going to be <laughs> on many rosters for me for the rest of time. But let's talk about our wide receiver start sets. Five names on here, different degrees of you know depth. Some of these are upside flyers that you may be looking at at a flex spot or a desperation wide receiver two spot with guys like Tyler Boyd injured that were on a lot of these um, you know, fantasy championship lineups. But a guy who's been emerging as of late, Lynn Bowden, rookie, now on the Dolphins, was actually drafted by the Raiders, got traded in a deal there. But he's quietly produced over the last three weeks for the Miami Dolphins. Tua is targeting this guy, and he's been relatively productive. He is used a little bit as a running back. I know initially he was drafted by the Raiders to be a running back. A lot of people were looking at that and saying, Oh, fade Josh Jacobs this year, he's not gonna get any passing work because it's all gonna go to Lynn Bowden. The hype train was definitely you know at full blast for Bowden, but nine points, fifteen points, and ten points the last three weeks. Last week played 91% of snaps, six catches for 37 yards. Are you willing in a very tough spot, right? Some of these deeper leagues where there's com- you're competing for high point, the waivers are still absolutely decimated, and you gotta find a way to win right now. In a championship, are you willing to plug Lin Bowden in there if you really, really,
1: really, 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 really need to? Yeah, deep league. I'm willing to plug him in. I mean, especially if Devontae Parker is out. Parker has been limited in practice, so keep an eye on it. But if Parker misses this game, I think I'm willing to sneak Lin Bowden in there. He's got running back eligibility in several places as well. So if you're in a league where he has running back eligibility and you're scraping the bottom of the barrel at the RB spot and you're deciding between like a Ty Johnson and a Lynn Bowden, in a PPR league, that's where you can go to someone like Lynn Bowden and kind of use that little hack to give you a, little, a higher floor for someone who's getting receptions. I mean, 91% of snaps last week for Lynn Bowden, Bowden Bowden. I've said it like yeah, three different ways since I started talking. So <laughs> I'm just kind of hedging that one a little bit, but whether you, know, you realize it or not, this is a revenge game. He's going against the Raiders who drafted him <laughs> several months back and traded Uh, Lynn Bowden early in the season. So, you know, I I think you can play him in a pinch. It's not something you feel good about. Not something you're going to be super optimistic about his upside or anything like that. But they're utilizing him. Um, I mean, seven targets last week, nine targets the week before uh, in a game against the Raiders where, you know, the Raiders typically have been involved in a lot of shootout games this year.
0: Yeah, depending on how things shake out with the Dolphins weapons group, Lynn Bowden can be really interesting next year as a guy that you could take Towards, you know, the bottom three rounds. We'll have to keep our eyes on him and see how he produces. Because he's looked pretty good when he's been out there. But let's talk about Marquise Brown, a guy that has gone from, you know, draft him high, he's gonna have a great season. You know, I was leading the hype train on Hollywood Brown coming into the year. That Lamar was gonna continue to improve as a passer, pass the ball a little bit more. We saw that in the first couple of weeks, and then it fell off. And then it was like, oh, Hollywood Brown's a waiver guy. Go ahead and drop oh. him. He's not even worth it. But now he's been emerging again has a great matchup this week against the New York Giants. I shouldn't say great matchup, a solid matchup. Yeah. But are you willing to flex Marquise Brown now that you're in the championship, probably a guy that you had, you're comparing him to other flex names like a Tyler Boyd, like a Michael Pittman, like a Brandon Cooks. You know, mm-hmm. if you're really looking at those type of names, are you looking at Marquise Brown as the guy that you want to plug in over those?
1: He's someone you can start, but I would try not to. I, I'm worried about Brown. I know he's at four straight good weeks I mean, 18, 14, 13, and 15 fantasy points, but a lot of those have been relying on touchdowns. This past week was the first week that he really got a solid fantasy day on volume all season long, and it was six catches for 98 yards, only 15 fantasy points. Other than that, it's kind of been touchdown or bust um, for Hollywood Brown for the majority of the season. And in a game against the Giants where Daniel Jones, we don't know if he's playing or not, you know, I I don't know what that game script is going to look like if it's necessarily going to be a shootout. I'm worried about Hollywood Brown's volume in that game. I don't know that he's necessarily going to see seven, eight targets in this one. Um, So he could always break that big play touchdown, but he's a boomer bust guy. And I'm trying to fade Hollywood Brown if I can. I will say, you know, we just talked about Lynn Bowden i think if Devonte parker is out i might actually start lynn bowden over hollywood wow. brown just because i would want a higher floor there um, and we see, clearly have seen the trend from bowden that if parker is out and he's going to get the snaps that he's going to see enough targets to have a floor with hollywood brown we haven't seen that all season long um, but he's kind of right on that cusp. if you need a boomer bust option if you're going against a stacked team and you need points you need someone who can get you 20 to 30 points brown is in that category because he could always you know break a couple big plays deep but the consistency and the volume is just not there.
0: He has been really good over the last four weeks, which tempts me to start him. But I think back to what we were just talking about in the running back starts with Devin Singletary that, you know, yes, these are boom bust guys, but even their boom games aren't really that crazy. You're never gonna see a 20 plus point outing. I mean, last four weeks are Hollywood Brown is best stretch of the season, 18, 14, 13, and 16 fantasy points. I think you could do that again, but does that really get you excited in a championship matchup? No, and you know the floor is lower than a lot of guys out there which is why you're going with Bowden if Parker's out so yeah I think we have like I have Hollywood Brown this week as a wide receiver three a solid flex that you can play I don't think the upside is quite as high as we all thought it was coming into the year because he just hasn't had those big games I don't know if it's if it's him is it Lamar Jackson is it just the offense don't really know right now but he is playing close to 80 percent of snaps every game I think you can do worse but I'm looking at other options if I can. Again, would I probably have them in that, you know, 37 uh-huh. wide receiver range, 34 to 37, if we're talking rankings. Next one here on this list that we need to talk about is Rashard Higgins. Been, From your brownies, been balling out a little bit. Has a matchup against a pass funnel team in the New York Jets. We saw them. The Jets are quietly stout against the run. Uh-huh. They're not letting teams run all over them. They're just clogging the box. But that's leaving the wide receivers wide open on an island with some pretty brutal cornerback play. So are you willing to plug in Rashad Higgins against the Jets over a guy like Hollywood
1: Brown? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I'll I'll absolutely do. put him against the Jets. Great matchup. We look at what Higgins is doing. I mean, he's on a tear. 21 points, 18 points, 11 points. He's seeing targets in this offense um, from Baker Mayfield. He's got 24 targets in the last three weeks alone. And he's a touchdown threat. We've seen two touchdowns in the last three games, and ever since Odell has gone out, he's really stepped up. So um, it took him a couple weeks because I know they had those crazy weather games where you know the Browns' offense looked awful because they're playing in, in crazy weather. Baker's getting criticized. Some of the receiving options were getting criticized. But as we've seen over these past several weeks, Baker has has been playing really, really good he's football cooking. this year. Landry and Higgins are playing fantastic in the running game is absolutely cruising as well so i think higgins is is actually yeah a pretty strong play in this game i, I think he's got a pretty good floor i think he's a low-end wide receiver three for me this week um, but the floor is higher for higgins than it is for a guy like hollywood brown
0: yeah i'm looking at higgins over all those names that we've talked about up to this point same. i think he has a higher floor and i actually think he has a higher upside just against the jets If they can do anything now, like maybe the Jets come in and have a little swagger after their first win of the season. Now they're going to try to compete. Maybe this game, you know, the over-under is not anything to to be crazy about. But if they can end up shutting down Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, which I doubt they'll be able to, but if they somehow can, this is going to be a a game where Baker is just peppering these receivers with targets. And so that brings a extremely high floor to Rashard Higgins. I've loved him. Now let's talk about a more chalk option that I think some people might be tilting on. They drafted him pretty high, and for the most part, he's been disappointing this season, not due to anything of his own uh, volition for that. But Amari Cooper, he has a matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles this week. Where are you putting Amari Cooper in your rankings? Is he a guy that you feel confident starting after an abysmal outing, less than three fantasy
1: points? I do. I still feel confident in Cooper. I mean, he's... Every receiver, for the most part. I mean, there's a handful of guys that are at the top of the list and they'll eat and produce every single week. We talked about it with a guy like Stephon Diggs earlier. But Cooper just had a bad game. The Cowboys offense had a weird different game where Tony Pollard totally took over. C.D. Lamb play, played great as well. And, and they didn't really need to do a ton through the air in this one because San Francisco's offense was absolutely dysfunctional in that game. But in a matchup against Philly, I think you can play Cooper. Andy Dalton has actually been okay for Mark Cooper. In games with Andy Dalton, this is really the first – time we've seen him struggle the four weeks prior i mean 15 16 23 14 fantasy points yeah. in each of those games um, he's the number 13 wide receiver in ppr formats on the year a little bit hybrid there between dak dalton danucci <laughs> Garrett, gilbert um so you know all things considered in this cowboys offense all things considered and how we think about amari cooper the fact that he's still the wide receiver 13 on the year He's still someone you have to start every single week. you got to realize the floor is a bit lower with Andy Dalton, at quarterback. The Eagles aren't a great matchup. They're not a terrible matchup either. So I think he can definitely get it done in this game.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm locking in Amari Cooper against the Eagles as my wide receiver too. Like locked and loaded, no question. If I have to plug him in as my one, so be it. I'll hedge with some upside names. But you have to start Amari Cooper. Don't overreact to the down week. That's all I wanted to say on him. Chase Claypool, last one here it's it's a rough go of things at this point big ben seemingly hasn't been able to throw the ball more than four yards on a pass attempt i mean he he has had some you know big throws to like deontay johnson in the end zone but he's really just hung around the line of scrimmage chase claypool has been used primarily as their deep threat you know their outside guy who's gonna be able to stretch the field for him after some big boom weeks The floor's kind of fallen out from under Chase Claypool. So for a guy who's a rookie in a tough matchup against the Colts,
1: is he a guy that you're considering at all? This is where it gets tough, and I I think I'm sitting him. I don't think I can trust him right now. I mean, you just have to look at where the Pittsburgh offense is trending. And the last three games, they've really struggled. They've obviously lost three straight games. In those three games is when we've really seen the dip in production from Claypool as well because the offense as a whole isn't getting it done. Only five, four, and seven fantasy points over those last three games. Now they get a Colts team that's hot. The defense is playing, playing really, really well. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to fade Claypool. I mean, Juju and Deontay are in that offense that are obviously getting it done. I know Ebron's a little banged up, but I don't think Ebron, if you were to miss this game necessarily elevates Claypool enough to where the point, you know, to the point that Claypool is suddenly relevant. So look, Claypool could come out and he's a one play guy. He could have a 75 yard touchdown, gives him a solid week. I just don't think it's going to happen against the Colts. I'm not betting on it to happen. So I'm going to kind of play the odds here and I'll sit down Claypool against the Colts this week.
0: I'll sit Claypool too. And you don't have to look much farther than, you know, his his catch rates over the last couple weeks. And I think it's a lot of it is due to Big Ben. Some of it's due to Claypool too, rookie rust, whatever. I, I like Claypool as a player, but I mean, caught three for eight last week before that three for six. I mean, Guy's about fifty percent catch rate, and he's not getting the most targets on the team. So unless they're going to be in bow races, which they might be against the Colts, to your point, he's a one you know one play guy could get you your week, um, you know, get you to a satisfied point. But I'm not looking at it at all if I'm in week 16 in the championship in the playoffs. I'm dropping Chase Claypool. I'm trying to find another option there if I can. He's a, definitely a sit for me in championship lineups. But let's get into this is big championship week. Starts of the week, guys that we expect to exceed expectations, whether that's you know a streamer or a flex flyer that we think is gonna pop, uh, maybe a guy that's a locked and loaded stud that disappointed last week that we think is gonna bounce back, whatever it may be. Let's get into these names here. We'll go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end.
1: I'll let you start it off at the QB spot. Who you got as your Week 16 Championship Week quarterback start? It's so fitting that it's Championship Week because my guy's Tom Brady. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going against the 29th-ranked team versus quarterbacks, the Detroit Lions. And Tom Brady on the year, I think, has exceeded a lot of expectations. Quarterback 10 on the season, a very solid year for a 43-year-old. And you look at this Lions team, and this one's all about the matchup. I mean, we could talk about Brady all day, you know, the weapons. Godwin, we finally saw an A-B deep touchdown last week. Mike Evans finally looks healthy, even though he goes He gets hurt every game, but then comes back. So you got three great options. Gronk finally is coming into his own as well. The running game, it looks like Rojo might miss this week. And and Fournette did fall into the end zone twice last week, but he didn't necessarily look great. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of those games where Tampa Bay says, hey, let's just throw the ball until we get the game in control and then run the clock out. So I think Tom Brady is a great option. You also look at the Lions team last week against Tennessee, 36 points given up to Ryan Tannehill. The week before, 30 given up to Aaron Rodgers. They're giving up 21 points per game to the quarterback spot all season. So I think Tom Brady is a very safe option this week. I think he's an option with upside. And I don't think this is one of those games where the Bucks are just going to come out and control um, the ground game. I mean, the only thing I think that could possibly go wrong for Tom Brady this week is if they hit a couple of chunk plays or get a pass interference call in the, in the end zone or something like that and just happen to get it inside the five and have Fournette fall into the end zone a couple times, taking away touchdown upside. Outside of a situation like that, I think a 20-point floor is very reasonable for Tom Brady.
0: No, I think I'm with you. I think he's a, a smash by this week, locked in QB1. And what's crazy is he's actually on pace for 37 touchdowns on the year. Would have led the league in touchdowns in 2019. So Tom Brady is balling out. Don't get it mistaken. Yes, he's old, but he's still able to produce almost every single week at this point. My quarterback start of the week, we talked about it earlier with some of the start sits, it's Baker Mayfield against the New York Jets. The Bake show is cooking. He's the QB three over the last four weeks, throwing multiple touchdowns in back-to-back-to-back-to-back games. He's finishing top three in completion percentage over those weeks. And Baker, I mean, he looks good out there. He's uh-huh. he's more poised than ever. He's has control over the offense, he's making smart decisions. I think you just got to ride the hot hand if you're streaming the QB position. Maybe you plugged him in last week or the week before and you said, hey, I got this guy off waivers, I think I'm just going to keep plugging him in. Then you can continue that against the Jets. And I know with Baker, his efficiency on play action has been talked about over and over again. But now we're seeing his efficiency improve across the board outside of just that play action He's 7th in the league in deep ball completion percentage. He's top 5 on the year in QBR and passer rating. Every time this man drops back to pass, he's making plays. And I know they just shocked the Rams, but I'm not expecting the Jets to be able to cool Baker off when they're 30th (laughs) against the QB. They're 26th against the wide receiver position. This is a team that likes to funnel the production to the wide receivers. They're going to try to stop the run with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt which opens up plenty of opportunity to Baker May- for Baker Mayfield to blow up again this week. So continue to ride the wave in week 16.
1: I love it for your brownie Steph. Let's move on to the running back spot. I'm going with J.K. Dobbins nice. against the New York Giants. I mean, we talked about the rookies a lot last week, which was a lot of fun. We said, if you have a rookie in your lineup this week, they all had good matchups too. It was like Swift, Dobbins, J.T., ceh james robinson cam Akers. cam Akers was the only one that was a bummer he ended up leaving that game with an injury also had a 20 some odd yard touchdown called back due to a holding penalty so take that away and he actually would have had a solid week ceh got hurt as well but like james robinson jk dobbins deandre swift jonathan taylor this rookie class is finally coming into their own and taking over these backfields jk dobbins is no exception he scored in four straight games that he's played in the giants matchup um, is good as well. I mean, they're giving up 25 points per game to opposing running backs. So I think the Ravens are going to come out, take care of business against this New York Giants team. I think they're going to lead in this game. I think there's going to be plenty of opportunity for J.K. Dobbins to run out that clock. Over 50% of snaps in the last two games. And I, Steph, did you tell me Mark Ingram was a healthy scratch? Mark Ingram
0: was a healthy scratch in Week 15. I, I'm guessing he's going to get the same treatment again unless there's an injury that happens or something like that. And... I got to give props to you. Before the season, we had a big debate. Can Mark Ingram finish as an RB2 this Mm -hmm. year? You said he was going to finish outside the top 30. You had me on that one. I know it was a vicious debate. I feel like a lot of people were on my side. We were putting out polls on Twitter. Everyone was like, oh, Mark Ingram's for sure going to finish at least as an RB2. Just looking at what he did in 2019. But, I mean, he's been removed from the hot seat in
1: Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, J.K. Dobbins, fifth in the NFL amongst running backs with 5.2 yards per carry as well. So, Give this guy 15 carries in this game. He's going to get you the yardage production. He'll get a reception every now and then as well. And he's got that touchdown upside. So, J.K. Dobbins against the Giants, keep rolling him out there. He's been great for you to this point. He's a rock solid RB2.
0: He's an RB1 next year. Are
1: you willing to take
0: him in the first three rounds? Uh, Yeah, first three rounds, sure. Yeah. First round?
1: No. (laughs) Even if he gets the keys to the kingdom. I mean, Keith the King. If they got rid of Mark Ingram and Gus Underwards Edwards as a free agent and didn't bring in anyone else, I you know that changes things. But I don't see that happening. We'll see. We'll see. Well, my running back start of the week. You went with a
0: little bit more of a chalky option. I think if you had Dobbins, you're starting him. Uh, and I'm glad now. Now we got the stamp of approval on that one. Mine's a little bit more of a streamer name. This one could. Uh, this could could end up hurting me. And you know we'll see how things go as far as injuries and, and who's in the lineup. But my start of the week, I smash play. I put this out on, on Twitter. With an LOL behind it because Leonard Fournette is a smash play in weeks 16, 16. In championship week, you can start Leonard Fournette. You
1: Just know work. how I feel about him.
0: Yeah, you, you hate Lenny. I know you're a Rojo guy. I've always been more of a Leonard Fournette guy. And last week with Rojo on COVID IR, coming off of finger surgery, Leonard Fournette played 66% of snaps, had 14 carries. None of them were really super efficient, but he had two touchdowns on the ground. He caught three of five targets for 16 yards. And I'm expecting more of the same in week six, week 16. Detroit, the second highest overrun of the week, Detroit versus Tampa Bay. Detroit's dead last against the running back position. And the reason I was taking all those Leonard Fournette victory laps over Rojo earlier this year, you know, all those reasons are still, still exist. Fournette gets used as a bell cow back. He's going to see double digit carries, goal line work, receiving work. And the same upside we like about Ronald Jones, the double digit touchdown upside is still there, as we just saw against the Falcons where he put up two touchdowns. If you're somehow streaming running back or have him on your bench, and you're in a tough spot, I think you can plug in Leonard Fournette in Week 16. As for you're know, recording this on Wednesday, as of right now, Ronald Jones is He's is doubtful, is doubtful yep. to play. If he does play, you're definitely benching Leonard Fournette. But if Rojo's out, I'm willing to plug in
1: Fournette as a low end RB two. It's spicy, but let's move on to the wide receiver spot. <laughs> I've got Cooper Cup as my wide receiver start of the week because he's been very disappointing lately. He had that big game in week 11 against Tampa Bay with 11 catches for 145 yards. Jared Goff targeted Yikes. him like every single play it felt like in that game. Since then, he's been disappointing. Only like 6, 15, 14, 8 fantasy points. That's not the production you're really looking for from Cooper Cup. But he's got a matchup against Seattle this week. They're 32nd in the NFL against the wide receiver spot. And the big thing with Cooper Cup, you know, the big narrative is, oh, when they you know do the two tight end sets and the 12 personnel, Cooper Cup doesn't quite see the snaps. But Cooper Cup's snap count hasn't really fallen off a cliff when this production has dropped off. He's still seen over... 62% of snaps in each game and he's been over 82% of snaps in two of those four games. Actually, the the two bad performances, the two really bad single-digit performances, he's been over 80% of snaps. So he's on the field. It's just been a matter of game flow and Jared Goff. Um, looking at the options that the defense gives him, I do think some certain defenses can kind of Scheme and take away certain players And I think they've done that with Cooper Cup over the last several games Seattle has not only been bad against wide receivers But they've struggled against the slot So I think Cooper Cup um, is a lock for 7-8 to targets this week If he gets those 7-8 to targets I think he's going to be hyper-productive with them And he's due for some positive regression in the touchdown category Only 3 on the season I would love to see Cooper Cup get into the end zone Again this week against Seattle And give you a solid 20-plus point performance in your title game
0: very nice very nice start your studs don't get cute here plug cooper cup in despite the bad performances my wide receiver start of the week i'm going back to another deep option it's russell gage Wow, wide receiver for the atlanta falcons he has a matchup against the kansas city chiefs this week so you love to see that and i have him as a strong flex or desperation wide receiver to streamer we had him in this segment late last season And you look at the matchup, the second highest over on the week, tied with the one I just talked about, Detroit versus Tampa Bay. We know the Falcons love to get into these shootouts. And we know Kansas City is the best offense in the NFL with the most points, the most yards per game. And with or without Julio Jones, Russell Gage has been producing as of late. Since the Week 10 bye, Gage has averaged over 80% of snaps and eight targets per game. He's seeing a ton of usage right now on a team that relies heavily on the pass, has almost no run game right now. And he's in the perfect game script. So over the last three weeks, his fantasy scores have been 15, 19, and 18 PPR points. I expect that to continue in the championship week.
1: I like it, Steph. I like that deep shot right there. If you're in a deeper league, that could be a a, a league winner right there. I know Russell Gage was one of our homeboys last year with a deep shot. So he's back like he never left here in 2020. But let's get into these nasty tight end spots. Damn. And this is one of those spots where you can hit on your tight end spot in your championship game that could be all it takes to take you over the top and there's options out there now this guy i'm about to bring up probably isn't on your waiver wire but he's someone who has kind of been back and forth all year you might have a couple tight ends on your roster you don't know whether you can trust this guy moving forward it's it's no a fan and you know what i've been doing at the tight end spot all season long i've liked evan Ingram in a lot of matchups as well Um, and, and i've just been looking at the targets and looking at what is happening and what opportunities are there at the tight end spot, so often you're like, oh, I just need a guy that's going to get the touchdown. It's like, I'm going to roll out Jared Cook and hope it's a touchdown week; <laughs> otherwise it's a bust. Or Austin Hooper and hope it's a touchdown week; otherwise it's a bust. With guys like Noah Fant, you don't need a touchdown to have a productive week. Last week, 8 for 68 and a touchdown, 20 fantasy points, but even without the touchdown, that's really solid volume. The matchup this week is against the LA Chargers, who are not only 22nd against the tight end, but the Chargers and Justin Herbert have been a shootout team all season long. Their defense is depleted by injuries. They're not you know, the team that were coming into the season um, with Bosa and Derwin James and all these healthy pieces. So they've been kind of a, you know, a struggle all season long, and I know they're already looking to next year, but I do think points are gonna get scored in this game. Drew Locke has the ability to turn it on at, at certain times. And I was looking at tight end targets this season Noah Fant is actually 6th in the NFL in targets at the tight end position. And he has missed a game. He has left a game on the first drive after playing 8% of snaps. And he has played a game with a wide receiver as his starting quarterback. Yet he is still 6th at the tight end position in <laughs> targets. 11 targets last week. 7, the fully healthy week. You know he, he, he left the game previous to last week, but before that, 7 targets. So he's been a guy who's heavily used in this offense. I think you can, roll, you can roll him out there against the Chargers and hope for a solid volume week and get double-digit points. If he gets the touchdown, he just could win you your championship. There's certainly been a wide receiver carousel in Denver.
0: Sometimes it's Tim Patrick. Sometimes it's, it's Jerry Judy. Sometimes it's KJ Hambler. But Noah Fant is like the solid, consistent option. You oh, know, yeah. he's going to be a a anchor point for that entire offense. You know, you're going with with the young gun, the young rising tight end, Noah Fan. I'll go TJ Hawkinson. It wow. Seems like these guys always get lumped in together. Both came out of Iowa together. Well, didn't they come out in the same draft class? Same,
1: this Iowa, what are they putting in their <laughs> corn there? Where they're putting up TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fan in the same draft class at tight end? That's crazy.
0: Well, I think you're starting both of these guys if you have them. You know, if you're not looking at, you know, a Kelsey, a Waller. In uh, and Andrews, somebody like that. And George Kittle might be back this week as well. We can talk about him real quick here before I sign off if he's a starter or a sit this week. But TJ Hawkinson has the matchup against Tampa Bay. Already talked about how good this matchup is. Second highest over under on the week. Tampa Bay's 26th against the tight end position. And last week against the Tennessee Titans, T.J. Hawkinson disappointed. And this is a reason why you may be tempted to sit him this week over some waiver options, especially if your waivers are dead. And there's some interesting names that are out there that have been productive. 0.8 fantasy points last week in a shootout game script. Caught two of four targets for 18 yards and a fumble. But what we saw was DeAndre Swift get two goal line carries and, and put them in. That's not going to happen every single game for the Detroit Lions. TJ Hawkinson still close to 80% of snaps over the last four weeks. He's averaging 6.5 targets per game. That's beautiful for the tight end position in this landscape. And he's sitting at the tight end four on the year, tight end six and fantasy points per game. Hawkinson, I don't want to say he's a locked and loaded stud, but he's a guy that if you have him, you're starting him. No questions asked. Hopefully he didn't totally kill you and you're still in the championship here. But I'm expecting Hawkinson to regress to the mean with the stars aligning in a smash week 16 play. Real quickly, let's talk. George Kittle, assuming he's active and healthy and in the lineup, you're in a championship week. Maybe you've been streaming a guy like Irv Smith, or maybe you picked up Colton George right? like, Kittle.
1: I'll start George Kittle if he's active over everyone except Kelsey and Waller. Wow, lock that in. I think, I think I'm think i feeling the same way. He's not gonna be active unless he's 100% healthy. I mean, they're shutting down Debo and Mostert for the season. They're out of playoff contention. If George Kittle plays,
0: it's because it's he wants to be out there and he wants to to. It's because he wants team. to be
1: out there and they're not going to play him if he's not 100% healthy with nothing to play for while they're shutting down these other guys. So if he plays, I think he's getting the full allotment of snaps and he's going to have a great game.
0: Yeah, I think people are going to have PTSD back to that Keenan Allen situation last yeah. week. Heart goes out to anybody who, who ended up starting oh, Keenan off. Allen. That was absolutely brutal. Just worst situation imaginable. One more here. If Julio Jones plays, are you starting him? I'm always on the side of if he plays, you start him. Yes,
1: it, yeah. go down swinging as someone who had the Julio Jones experience this year it was brutal the couple of weeks where he left games early with that hamstring but there were also several weeks where he was questionable throughout the week in and out of practice and there was one game where he had two touchdowns massive performance another couple games where he was very solid as well so if Julio Jones plays I think you're going to be hard pressed to find a better option
0: well guys thank you all so much for listening and watching Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays have a great new year not sure if we're going to have an episode for next week, week 17. We'll figure it out with holidays, schedules, and all that. But, guys, we want to say thank you all so year. much for listening and watching. Good luck in your fantasy championships. Let us know how that turns out for you. If we helped you at all, please let us know. That is huge for us. Keeps the wind in the sails on this Double Move Sports experience. And we'll see you all next time.
1: Peace. Peace.